the violence survivors. Um, and what I do is I'm just a, a supporter. What I do, if they, I just, I'm there for someone if they need help just for someone to listen to them or just help them to find resources so they can get help. That's basically what my support group do, just to be there and support them. So I have a quick question, because I noticed that when um, we speak, some people say victim and some people say survivor. Mm -hmm. So could you speak more to that? Victim is a person who are in the domestic violence relationship that haven't got out. A survivor is someone who have got out of a, a, a domestic violence relationship and they're surviving. Because once you get out of a, a domestic violence relationship, there's you still a survivor because you got the PTSD you have, you have the trauma, you have the nightmare. So we call those survivors. Thank you. Thank you, producer, for that question. That was actually a good question. Um, my question is, um, how, how did you start your organization, Ms. Doris? Well, I started because I was in five years of a domestic violence relationship. And I know how it is to not to have anyone there to be support you. I never had anyone there to tell me that love doesn't hurt. So that's how I got into it because I, I am a survivor and I'm still surviving domestic violence. We appreciate you coming on here and thanks for being a survivor. Um, you know, being a survivor, that means that you can help others, you know, go through the steps that you went through yes. and sometimes quicker than what you did. So we appreciate you. Appreciate everything that you're doing for the community. Um, Tanisha, how did you get into being a um, a case manager? I was trying to think of the day. I was almost <laughs> calling you a therapist, but a case manager. No, that is a, a big no-no. I am a case manager, not a therapist. <laughs> I send people to therapy. Um, but how did I become a case manager? Um, well, I've always wanted to be a social worker. Uh, I've always wanted to help people. That's obvious. Uh, but my focus has always been uh, to make sure that I can instill confidence and um, give people the skills in order to navigate the community, like I said, independently as much as possible. Um, and so I've always felt like, you know, I've had a you know, good support system giving me the skills to make sure that, you know, I'm able to uh, live day to day. And so I want to make sure that uh, no matter who they are, they have that same support. And that's good to hear. You know, when we talk about survivors and we talk about victims, most times we we always think about the um, female, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and and we want to make sure that we bring this out, Miss Doris and also Tanisha, um, that it also some victims that are males. And, yep. and, and, and how do we get to that point, Miss Doris? How do you think that, um, you, you know, it's not said that men are victims as well or men are survivors as well? Men are survivors. Men, there are a lot of men out there that's in domestic violence relationship. Is one out of seven men have experienced some type of domestic violence. But the reason why they won't come forward is almost the same thing as a women's. It's because you've been judged and shamed in the masculinity. That's basically why men don't come out. Yeah, and, you know, I, I, I think it gets to the point of... I'm um, a man thinking about like if if you tell somebody that story, they like well then why you didn't put her, hit her back or why why you didn't you know stop her and you know I I go back to like when I was being raised my mom would tell me like not to put my hands on a female but in the same sense I got sisters and she tell my sisters don't you to put don't put your hands on a male um, so in that case I'm just saying like you got to make sure that you 
you know exactly yeah. what you're getting yourself into, right? Yes. And so sometimes we can see signs. Am I correct? We can see signs of this can happen in our relationship. You can see it with the way that they treat their sisters and their mother and their grandma. And sometimes we ignore the signs. Can you talk to the um, to that um, Tanisha of why you think people ignore them signs? The negative, st- uh, the negative stigma that's associated uh-huh. with it, um, like Ms. Doris was saying, that we've conditioned society to feel that, uh, oh, if you're a victim of domestic violence, you're weak, you're not mm-hmm. strong, um, you put yourself in that situation, you deserve that. Uh, and because of the negative so- association with, with this topic, uh, I feel like it's harder for people to come out um, and get that support. And also as a mental health clinician, um, I guess my... I, what I would like to brush up my skills is how do we support those to come out and um, create an environment for them where they feel safe and comfortable uh, to do that. I'm always open to learning and hearing that. I think we got a question from the producer. Well, I think it's important to first answer Tanisha's question. I think that is a valid point as to, you know, what can we do to support people to come out? Um, if Miss Doris, if you have any suggestions or can speak to your experience of what made you. What made me come out was because I, you know, first of all, I have to, you know, I believe in God and I know God saved me that night. And I believe that if it wasn't from God, I would not be here today. So the real reason the, to give someone some support is just to be there for them, not shame them. Because they're already in a relationship that's already been bu- abused and been name-calling and low self-esteem because of uh, a victim already have low self-esteem. So they don't need anyone there telling them, oh, you shouldn't do that or you should leave him because it's part of being mental health. Because the abusers start, to, once it gets inside your head, he controlling your brain. So to, to support a victim, just be there for them when they need us, when they cry out for help. Just be there for them. That's the only thing I can tell you. Just be there for them when they cry out. I got something to piggyback off of that because you said make sure we be there for them. Mm-hmm. What are some signs that someone is trying to reach out to us? Because sometimes when it comes to... I'll take it back. So I watched a Facebook's um, a Facebook um, video, and sometimes Facebook is good, sometimes Facebook is bad. Mm-hmm. But in this Facebook video, this um, female had caught Domino's Pizza or a pizza place, and then she had called out and basically was like crying out for help, but at the act as if she um, was ordering a pizza. What are some ways that we can see that someone is crying out to us and they need our help? For once, that is once that is definitely. That when they call in and talk about a pizza and you know you don't carry no pizzas in your area and there's like, I want cheese, that's definitely one way. Another way, some people may put help on their hands and they might do like this is to help. They can write help on their hand and they'll hold it up. That's another way. But the other signs is just listening to them and the body language. They definitely will give you the body language because if my abuser's sitting right there and I'm in trouble with him, I can't look at you and say, hey, I need help. Yeah. It's the body language. Speaking fast, mm-hmm. uh, uh, accepting all the blame, protecting the abuser, mm. that's when you know right there they're in some trouble. Hey, you need some help. And so, yeah. Thank you, thank you. I, I think we got a question or a statement from um, Aunt Stacy. I'm gonna call her Aunt Stacy because <laughs> that's what she is to me. She's not everybody auntie, but that's my auntie. So go ahead and read that from, from Aunt Stacy, producer. And by the way, the producer is Jazz, my uh, wife. I'm pulling it up now. <laughs> Sorry. And also, Aunt Mel just um, 
um, wrote something as well. Okay. So while she's looking to um, do that, I, I just want to make sure that, like, um, what are some, um, the phone number that people can reach out to or the website? I do have a phone number. I have a national hotline phone number. It's uh, 1-800-799-7233. It's a national domestic violence hotline. Thank you. And I think we have a flyer that the producer can put up as well while she read the uh Okay, so um, Aunt Stacy, or sorry, Stacy Spivey Ogletree <laughs> says, some can treat their mothers and sisters or women in their life like queens, but will beat their wife or girlfriend. It's very confusing. That is what we call mommy issues. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I haven't experienced that. I mean, of course, <laughs> I haven't. I mean, because most people look at me and just be like, okay, he, he big, ain't nobody gonna... So what about, like, have you seen someone my size be um, a victim as well? I have, personally. But some people look at me as like, well, he a big boy. He ain't getting no, you know, domestic violence. Or she a big girl. Sometimes it can be the opposite way. She a big girl. Because you've seen some cases where the female is bigger than the uh, male. And they still become victims. So, like, sometimes we think that that person is not in trouble. Um, how do you get them to come out as well? The only thing I can tell you how to get people to come out is just, just keep, we keep talking about it. Yes. Uh, the advocates, the survivors, if we keep talking about it and we get this national and we get this out in the forefront, you will see how many people will start to come out. Because right now, I'm, my uh, website on Facebook, I have th over 300, 300 members right now. And not saying they're all victim, but I'm pretty sure most of them have had some kind of type of domestic violence. Mm -hmm. And by me going around and talking to other women, I have met women's, rich women's, women's who make seven figures That's it have experienced domestic violence. So as long as we keep talking about it and stop sweeping it under the rug and letting people know this is real, mm -hmm. I believe more people will come out. Mm -hmm. Yes. I have, and Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I just wanted to point out, um, what is abuse? Like, what is the definition of abuse? Because I think that also um, is important to define what abuse is. Because a lot of times I get people coming in and they're like, I don't know if I've been abused. I don't know if I've been in a domestic violence relationship. Th they don't know. And I have to tell them what it is. So I think, right. you know, defining yeah, I mean, I what abuse is. Can you define what it is, yeah. Tanisha, for us? What do you tell a client, you know, or, or we'll let the producer, our producer is Jasmine um, <laughs> Jamerson Freeman, my wife, and she is a therapist. So I'll let her um, go ahead and handle it. I think it's important to remember that abuse is not just physical abuse, because mm -hmm. often people say, if I'm not being hit in a relationship, I have not experienced domestic violence. Mm -hmm. And that is absolutely not true. You can experience um, emotional abuse mental abuse because those are two separate things again mm -hmm. emotional and mental because mental is the controlling side emotional is um, how it affects your emotions depression anxiety if it creates those things and they don't do anything to help it that is abuse i think a great um story to watch or a show to watch it would be made on netflix because while that woman was not physically abused in the sense that we see she was emotionally and mentally abused she was stripped from her family she did, couldn't have a car so he was doing a lot of things to control her and she did not think she was abused right yeah, but it also is important to look at how it's a circularity thing 
her mom had experienced several domestic violence yeah. situations so she thought you know what this is normal this isn't abuse right so i think talking about that and seeing like hey it's important to remember that it's just more than just the physical aspect i like what you were saying when you mm -hmm. said now how um most of the victims also be um their mother was a victim and their mother was a victim so it's like a train effect and and that's because we all feel i mean not we all they feel that hey, this is how it's supposed to happen, and and then and some people go back to the old days when they talk about how the man's supposed to lead. So at that point, most of the female, a lot of people that is um, in these uh, um, relationships, they are not the provider of the family. So they feel sometimes they stay in a relationship because they're not the provider, and if they leave. Who's going to take care of me? You know, because that person have already isolated me from my family, mm -hmm. my friends, a job. So how do I work? You know, sometimes they've been in these relationships for 10 years. So they've been out of the workforce for 10 years. They've been away from their family for 10 years. Like, who do I talk to? I have no friends. I don't have a, a, a chance to even talk to people. So that is like one of the biggest things of, you know, making sure that you, you're not stuck in that type of situation of just that person being a provider. Exactly. That is absolutely true. Ivy, we are talking about domestic violence. This month is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Um, so that's what we're talking about. Thank you for everybody that's over there on Twitch watching. And here on Facebook, please share this. In a minute, we will be put, posting the phone number that you guys can call in to ask questions to me or any of the guests or even the producer. Go ahead, Miss Doris. I believe you were going to say something. I was just saying you was exactly right about that. That's why a lot of people stay because that's called a financial abuse. That's why a lot of people do stay into those relationships. But then again, there's a lot of um, uh, domestic violence. It's not financial. It's, a, it's just physical. It's just mentally. It's a mentally abuse. And a lot of them are just still stuck there because the abuser have mentally abused them so bad they don't know the way out. So, yeah, I do agree exactly what you said. And, you know, we was talking about some of this um, a little bit before the show, how we was talking about that there's no places for people to go. You know, Ms. Doris was telling us how she'd get that late night call and, uh, a, a, and a victim ne ne needs to get out of that situation, but there's no place for them. Um, is this something in the works that you guys are working for with your organization, Ms. Doris? Well, I'm working on something now to try to get a building open up. But like, like we was talking today, there's a lot you have to go through mm -hmm. to get this get things open and I wish that you know someone that might be listening to this that you know there's a lot of red tape that we have to go through and they need to cut that red tape out especially when it comes to someone surviving and their kids are surviving and they want to get out of this relationship but they can't because they don't have the resource or the help that's out there for them to get right. yeah, it's a scary thing because I, I have people you know come to my office and they're like you know Tanisha I, I need help I need I need to get out and I'm like, okay, well, let's go to the Y. We go to the Y. They're like, we're, we're, we're overbooked and we're understaffed. Send, send them back home. So I have to send this young woman back home and pray that I get another day with her to help her find resources in the, you know, in the community. And, it, and it's, it's just horrible and it, it's gut-wrenching. Um, so I definitely feel you on the, like, how do we cut this red tape? Like, who's out right. there? You know how to cut this red tape. Let us know. Definitely. It's all about money, though, to be honest. like It's all about the money. It's just like the money ain't into survivor, um, victims or survivors. Um, so that's why I was not in there. I want to talk about a story that I had. Um, I, was a school, I, I, been, I was a school bus driver like five of my seven years that I've been here in the city of Battle Creek. And then one time a kid left um, 
something on my bus, so I had to go to one of the um, city shelters and um, take take this item to to the kid. And so when I first walked in and I seen the way that they have to live in these mm-hmm. shelters, that's even sad too. Like, how can we make the shelters or feel like a home? Like, that's why a, another reason why a lot of victims don't want to um, tell nobody or go to a shelter because it doesn't feel like a home. It doesn't feel like they own. Um, so that's a, another topic that we can talk about. How do you think we can do that? Or if we have, if you can have infinite amount of money, what would you do in that situation? What would I do? What would I do? I would get all the victims uh, or survivors that needed to get out. I would give them they find their own house that they could get. You know, they you know first month rent or at least spend it up for a year. Find them a house and pay their rent up for a year so they can get a job and get some education. You know, so like I said, there's a lot of red tape. But if we could just get the government or people who out there that could help us. Um, we could get these survivors into their own place and just pay their rent up for two year, a year or two so they can go get the education and get the job training they need so they can start a new life. Good point. Very good point. I think it's important to take a moment and acknowledge all the people who are coming out saying that they are survivors or that they are still victims and they're currently in their situations. It takes um, that's the first step is to say, like, hey, I need help and reaching out. Um, if you have any questions or you need some resources, please comment on this or message us and we can get you to some resources. Yeah, we can give you direct. Um, it's, I know Miss Doris got resources. I think um, Tanisha got resources. And I even believe Jasmine even have resources that uh, we can connect you to some people. Even if we don't have it, we can connect you to the right people. Mm-hmm. And yes, Miss Karen, I'm sorry to hear that as well. I did read it. I don't want to read it out loud again. Um, I see that you um, did say what you said. I'm sorry to hear that. And I think, I mean, uh, another thing, us as fellas, mm-hmm. uh, you know, our friends, our family, we need to stop step up when you see this. I, I, I'm not going to put my friend's business out there, but it's been a couple times where I had a friend that, like, you know, um, was the perpetrator of you uh, um, an act of violence to a female, you know, and I stepped in the way. It's been several occasions that that happened, but it's a lot of people that just let that happen. It's a lot of men, a lot of women that let that happen. They know their friend needs help, and they just stand in there. And sometimes you can be scared, yes, but we can tell somebody else that can help. Right, but devil's advocate, I've been involved where I watch, you know, friends be in situations like that, and then I've intervened, and then you know they go back, and then my friend hates me, and he hates me. And I, lo- and I lose a relationship. So sometimes it's out of fear that I don't want to intervene. Mm-hmm. It's not that, you know, I'm just sitting there watching this go down. It's out of fear that I don't want to lose my friend mm-hmm. or my relationship with my friend and overstep my boundaries. So, Ms. Doris, in, in those situations. Um, you oh, just you just let her know. You let your friend know that um, you're still going to be there for her no matter what. Because that's what my mom did. Because mm-hmm. I had nobody. And my mom knew that this relationship was bad for me, and she knew that one day he might kill me. But she kept me in prayer, but she never turned her back on me. Mm -hmm. She stayed there for me. She supported me. She never said to me, you shouldn't go back to him. She never said to me to leave him because, see, the abusers already got into that person's head psychologically. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, so by you saying something, they already got their low self-esteem. So what you need to do is just be there for her. Just be there when she needs you, okay? 
very good point. I think that's important to understand that don't allow them to push you away, right? Mm-hmm. And don't say, because if they're not ready for the change, they're not going to leave no matter what you say, how you say it, when you say it, where you say it. Just letting them know like, hey, as much as you try to push me away, I'm still going to be knocking at your door, checking on you and saying like, hey, you want to go out here? You want to just be supportive. I think mm-hmm. that is the, the key into that. And that also plays a big role in, you know, eliminating the stigma, mm-hmm. being that being that support system. Yes. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, if I, you know, tell her like, oh, you need to leave and and turn my nose down, I'm adding to the stigma that it's, you know. Definitely. Exactly. So. Anything else you want to say, producer? <laughs> I think that this is just a topic that is so and it's sad. It's so taboo, taboo, right? Mm-hmm. People don't want to talk about this because it is so difficult and you don't know who's who's out there. You don't want to offend anybody, make assumptions, whatever the case may be. And that it's easy to just kind of overlook because we have so many resources out there that people don't even know about. So why have a resource that people don't know about? That to me does not make sense, right? And I think it's it's unfortunate because... I was looking at statistics and I mean, just the amount of people and I'm going to say people, right? Because it can be anybody who suffer from this. And then how you think that, oh, it can only be the poor people, the at risk people. And no, it can be anybody. It can be a CEO of a Fortune 500 who is a boss out there. Right. But when they get home, they are not. They are mentally abused whatever the case may be so I think just looking at that and saying like okay it can be anybody and I'm not going to judge because that's another thing too I don't want to be judged Mm -hmm. because that's what happens oh you oh you're weak oh you you want to stay in that how long why would you stay in that I mean those are all judgment questions Mm -hmm. and so when we have to remember when someone does come to us for help not to ask those questions Mm -hmm. we don't need to ask why did you stay what? How, why? What would you? What made you do that? No, is how can I help you? Listen yes. with empathy. I think. Yes. It, I think exactly. it's more. I think it's when it, when exactly. you got situations like that. I think it's more of you listening than mm-hmm. telling yep. at mm-hmm. that point. Mm-hmm. You know exactly. Um, yeah. Because we don't know what that person have actually went through. Right. Like we don't know exactly what that person went through. And trauma is something else. Yes, it is. You know this. This is a form of trauma, and all types of trauma it stays with you. It's just something that. Something as little as a flock and fly by and it can remind you mm-hmm. of that trauma and then you go right back into that situation. That's why this is a, a, a horrible situation. Um, um, domestic violence is so horrible because at any time you can snap back and you're back in that situation. You feel that you you, you are alone and you feel like that you don't have nobody behind you. And even though you know that's there, there, but that trauma can sneak back up on you. Exactly. Yep. And those are called trauma reminders yep. or trauma triggers. Mm-hmm. And those are very real. And I think it's important to remember that there's secondary trauma. Yep. So your kids witnessing that, that is also very important. And sometimes that's what a lot of women will say. You know, that's when I finally got out is when he turned to my kid or she turned to my kid. And that was my straw. So we got, um, we going to put the number back up there real quick for you guys. Uh, we need one of you guys to call in and ask some questions for us. Even if it's just one. Or per- share your story. Or share your story. Share your story. That's the producer putting that back up there. Thank you guys for um, watching this, tuning in. Make sure you share this. Somebody might need to hear this today. The number is 269-815-0183. That's 269-815-0183. We stand about to listen to your story or to hear your question. 
while we wait for some call some callers, we're gonna um, share our sponsors one more time, okay? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, don't forget, man, you can still call in. You can still call in. We'd like to thank all the sponsors that sponsor this podcast. If you want to sponsor this podcast, you can also. We do have a call. Sorry. Hello. Hi, this is Miss Karen. Hey, Miss Karen, how you doing today? I'm not good today. I got. I got some news today that, that just just basically threw me off my feet um, after the incident on Sunday um, when my husband pushed me to the to the hardwood floor and I had to go to um, to the emergency room. Um, now um, I found out today that my daughter, my oldest daughter, um, who is uh, on his side with this situation is now trying to make me seem like I'm crazy. Um, she's trying to put me in Lakeside Hospital. She's saying that I'm unstable. And I, I, I'm just so torn right now because my children saw the abuse that I went through with their dad. I've been with him for 35 years off and on. I, I would always go back because of the, the, the love bomb. I know about the narcissists. I know about their traits. I've studied on it. So I finally learned what I'm dealing with just this year. But in doing that, I've endured verbal abuse. I've endured emotional abuse. I've endured... This man, like I said, physically abusing me in front of my children. My children know how he is. And like I said, I have no support. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I, I've been traumatized um, at the age of four. I know this has nothing to do with domestic violence, but at the age of four, I lost my mom. At the age of four, I was sexually abused by my dad, and it's like I've been having abuse all my life. All my life, I've had abuse. And now, this man of 35 years, he's defaming me. He's lying on me. He's telling people, you know, just making up stories. He even contacted one of my old coworkers and told him that I had AIDS, which is not true. And it's like I feel so alone in this now. We even bought a house together two years ago. And I've asked him over and over. When he put his hands on me this past February, I told him, 
you still have that physical violence in you. I'm too old. I'm 54 years old. I'm not fixing to go down that road with you anymore. We need to leave. We need to split ways. And in doing that, he moved in. He stayed in his room. I moved into my room. It's been like that since March. I've asked him over and over to leave. He won't leave. The house is in my name on the loan, but only on the deed is his name. He won't leave. If I leave, I'm stuck with a house that I've got to pay for that I'm not living in. And now they're trying to make it seem like I'm crazy because I called the police because he physically abused me. And I, all I can do is just, all I can do is just pray and ask God to help me with this because I feel like I'm, 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 I'm I don't know. I, I just don't know. I, I don't know how to feel. I've been up since 2.30 this morning, and I knew something was going on. I knew it in my head. Something was going on. And my son called me and told me what she was up to, that she's talking to certain people trying to get me committed into Lakeside. I'm not crazy. I'm traumatized because of the things that he's put me through. I'm going through trauma. I'm going through verbal abuse, emotional abuse, every kind of abuse you can think of, I've been through it with this man, and I am done with him. I am done. All I need is somebody to help me, help me to get out of this, help support me, show me some caring, show me what to do, because I don't know what to do. If I leave, I'm going to be homeless. I don't want to go to a shelter. Like you say, it's not going to be a home feeling. So therefore, if I leave my home, I'm going to be staying in my car. I have nobody in my family to say, well, you can come and stay with me. And that's why I feel so alone in this struggle. And... I just don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I need help. Well, first I want to say that thank you for coming out and sharing your story because I know how difficult that can be and must be right now. So you are brave for sharing with this with us and being so vulnerable because that is very difficult. Um, this is, this is a difficult situation, right? Because we don't have a magic wand to, right. you know, but we can be a support. We can give you numbers of people to call who can, like you said, be that support for you, listen to you, help guide you, um, that meets your needs, right? You kind of lead the process and we meet you where you're at so that we can best assist you in supporting you and getting out because that is what you have said that you want to get out. Yes. Uh, if I have to let the house go in foreclosure, that's what I'm going to have to do because he won't leave. And, and the police won't make him leave. It's like they side with him when they come. He plays the role 
of, of being disabled. This man can get under his car and fix and change stuff and put parts on and and once the police come, he want to jump in the bed and, and act all disabled and act like he's sick and, and play that sick role and the police fall for it. But I'm the one limping. I'm the one in pain. I'm the one hurting. They saw that. And they weren't even removed from the home. It's like, okay, they're supposed to be taking domestic violence so seriously now. But from my point of view, I, I can't, I, 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 I don't see it. I don't see it. That's why so many people end up in a worse situation with domestic violence because they just overlook it like, oh, well, you don't have any bruises. Oh, you don't have any cuts. Okay, what about the emotional? What about the, the, the verbal abuse? You know, that's still abuse. That's still abuse. And then, like I say, I didn't push myself on the ground. He pushed me on the ground, on the hardwood floor. I'm a slim woman. Don't have much meat on my bones, so that was a hard fall for me. That was a hard fall for me. And me already sick with chronic back pain, and he know this. He know I have back issues. I've had back issues for years. That's why I'm off work now, because of my ailments. He has no compassion. He has no empathy, no sympathy, nothing for me. And and like I say, I just if I gotta let it go in foreclosure, I just have to let it go in foreclosure. If I have to live in my car, I have to live in my car. But at this point right now, I am done. I am done. I am done. I am done. Miss Karen, we appreciate you telling your story. I'm just gonna go and ask Miss Doris, do she have some information that she can give to you? And so, um, um, ask, and also ask Tanisha as well, is there any information they can give you tonight? Okay. Ma'am, I'm very sorry to hear your story, but I'm, I kudos to you for coming out because I am a domestic violence survivor also. So I do feel your pain. What I can tell, what I can tell you to do is you need to create a safety plan. That's a plan to, uh, you know, a plan to get to set out. up to get out. But the, yeah. be careful, okay? The first right. thing you don't want to do is let your your uh, your abuser um, know what what your plan is, and then right. and then pack an emergency bag, okay? And then um, call the national hotline. I'm sure we if you call the hotline and let them know that you your life is in jeopardy, I'm sure they could get you some kind of form of help. But yes, but the first thing you need to do is create your safety plan to get out of there. And you're exactly yeah. right about the police. And that's what we're working on because the police needs to be trained more. Um, they only doing really doing their job, but they do definitely needs to be trained on how to handle a domestic violence victim. Right. Because I, I and and I went there this morning to, to try to get some insight um, on why no you know he wasn't removed from the home, and and that's when the officer said, well, ma'am, you didn't have you didn't have any bruises or cuts or anything broken then, 
Um, and there, there was nothing basically they could do. They, that's why nobody was removed from the home. And you went to the emergency room, so therefore uh, you removed yourself from the home and there was no need for us to move them. I said, well, they weren't going to remove them anyway because I asked. I asked the police, well, are y'all going to remove them from the home? And they said no. And I'm like, well, this is a domestic violence. He pushed me. He put his hands on me. Yeah, Miss Karen, thank you for coming on here and sharing your story. Um, like our producer says, um, thank you. Um, that was brave okay. of you. Uh, while we were while you were telling the story, I did look up a few resources. Um, I don't want to put put your business out there on your location, but I would love to send you some um, that I found um, in your okay. inbox. Okay. But like Miss Doris said, um, safety first. Uh, make sure that you create a safety plan. Um, right. So what we'll have to do is we'll have Tanisha um, messenger you. Would that be a safe spot to contact you? Yes. Okay. So we will be in contact. It will come from Tanisha Robinson. Um, it will come from Latrice Tanisha. Oh, sorry. Lat Latrice Tanisha. Um, and she'll send you some resources and um, we'll go from there, okay? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I really, really appreciate you sharing your story. Um, okay. Thank you for calling in. Thank you for calling in today and telling your story. We appreciate you. And like they said, they'll reach out to you through your inbox. And again, you know, it's so hard to tell our story. And all of us got a story to tell. And you know, your story can help somebody else mm -hmm. uh, move out of the yeah. situation. Um, sometimes that's faster why, than what you. That's why I do it to, to help somebody else because I, I, I'm, I'm in a few groups. Um, domestic violence groups and I share my story. Um, I try to help others to notice the red flags, you know, um, and, and, and not let it prolong to get out when you first see those red flags. And I wish I had done that. Well, we don't want um, you to beat yourself up. We, right. Like I said, we don't want you to beat, beat yourself up. Um, like I said, they'll reach out to you and we appreciate you calling and telling your story today. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Have a great night. Okay. You know, when we when we talk when we think about, you know, the situations that um these individuals are in or we are in, cuz sometimes it's us. Um it, it's it's hard to come out and tell your story. Not only is it hard to go out and tell your story, it's hard to put a face with your story. Mm -hmm. You know, so 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 like I tell my story, but I'll be, you know, high and, and stuff like that. So it's it's so much to come out and tell tell your story, tell your pain, tell what you've been going through, tell your traumas, tell your trials and your tribulations, tell exactly what happened. You know, that's your story. No one can take your story away. Um, some people gonna gonna believe you. Some people's not. But your story is still going to be your story. Keep on holding on and continue to try to be a survivor. Continue to reach out and and, and for us um, that's around, let's continue to support people that need us. You know, some they might push you. They might push us away. They might do whatever they might do. Mm -hmm. Still stick with them, like Miss Dora right. said in the beginning of the show. That's right. What you about to say, Tanisha? I'm sorry. No, I was saying eliminate that stigma. Make a safe space for those, whether they're still in the relationship or out of the relationship. Um, like Ms. Doris was saying, just listen with empathy. 
Right. We're not asking for solutions all the time. Listen with empathy. Yes. Exactly. With no judgment. With no judgment, yes. And I think her story, what we can take away from that is that it's never too late to say that you're done. Mm-hmm. You know, she's been, it says she experienced this, what, 35 years? Mm-hmm. And she's beating herself up like I should have gotten out sooner. It doesn't matter, doesn't matter. Year, two, whatever. It's the fact that you're trying to get out now. Mm-hmm. That's right. So I think it's important to remember that it's never too late mm-hmm. and that when you ask for help that the people are there to help. Right. And so we will ensure that she gets those resources yep. and um, yep. keep in contact with her. Yes. I think, I think another thing that she brought up y'all is that the police are not trained for situations like this. And that's just not this situation. That's mental illness yeah. in yes. entirety. Like they are not trained for situations like this. And they, and, and, and then if they do get trained, it's one or two officers. It's two or three officers mm-hmm. out of the whole task force. This is, should be like part of training, period. Before you can say you're a police, that you've been in trauma classes. Before you say mm-hmm. you're a police, you've been, to, um, been um, involved with mental illness and you know what that looked like. You know what yeah. trauma looked like. You know what domestic violence looked like. You know what all of these signs look like. Mm-hmm. And we can save a lot of people if our police department does this. Right. And, I, and I've talked with police officers. I actually did a read along not too long ago uh, because I brought that topic up about our police uh, needing more training because, you know, it varies my mind that I got to go to school for four plus years and continue my education on dealing with uh, people uh, with trauma and being trauma informed and mental health. But a police officer does eight, ma- eight months in an academy. They get a gun in their badge and they on the streets. That's right. But me, I, I can't do that. I have to go to school for four years and go to school, every, you know, and like I said, continue my education. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I got officer recipient rights calling me every week like, oh, you you didn't do something right. But the police, no, they don't have no one governing them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that accountability. And, yeah, that accountability. And, and it breaks my heart that she reached out for help yeah. only to be told, uh, whoa, you have no bruises. You have no bruises. Mm-hmm. And that's how a lot of victims end up dead. Because mm-hmm. the, they go to the police and the police looks at them like, okay, well, what do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm on board of the police being trained. And when they do get the training, they need to be with a survivor, a domestic violence yes. survivor, someone who knows, has been there, and know the signs and the situations so they can learn how to handle these situations and not turn these people back to the abusers mm-hmm. because that's how they end up dead. Because when they cry out for help, nobody listens. Yep, exactly. Right, and then it's the Write whole report stigma. and move on. Yep. and you brought up a good point about you know police officers. Um, like I said, I was having a conversation with one of the officers, and he was saying that there was, uh, I forgot what he basically he was saying only about eight percent of his deputies were trauma informed trained, and there's hundreds of employees that you know they hire, and so when I asked him why, he said funding. We we don't got the money to pay for people to go get go get trained. Mm. You know you know what that is a funny situation when we talk about funding and we just see how much money that Americans can get during yes. a pandemic. Like that that right there is just scary. Like mm-hmm. um, before the job I got now, I worked with the housing at Summit Point Housing, and just to see that that a big grant came in to help people um, uh, with assisting they rent. And by the way, if you need help um, with rent, you can probably look up this website. It's Sarah C E R a is uh, COVID emergency rental assistance. Look that up right now if you need help with rent. I don't know if they have anything right now for um, people that own homes, but right now if you're renting a home and you can't pay your bills, and you might, I can't tell you that you qualify, but a lot of people do qualify and they don't think they qualify. A lot of people are scared to take that money 
or to even tell somebody that they need that help. And that that that's just not in domestic violence. That's in all situations. You need help. We need to, we need you to reach out because somebody might know the resources to get to. And and pretty soon we might have um, one of the housing resources um, leaders to come on and talk about housing. Um, but that's another topic. That is um, another topic. Like that's loaded, and <laughs> and I got some things on that one too. So. We like to thank everybody for watching. Um, on um, in it is we right at an hour. Um, this has been a touching subject. Um, like it's something that we probably need to not do just once once a year. Mm-hmm. It's probably be something that we need to bring up me and Miss Delo- Miss me and Do- Miss Doris, <laughs> um, Tanisha, Jasmine. We get together and figure out how we can help our community. Mm-hmm. Um, how we can help the community with the space that we already have. Whether we're going to have community meetings and we meet together and we figure out how we're going to work through this. Uh, I mean, it, it got to be a way that we can work through it with the resources that we already have. And if you know something, um, you, if you know more uh, about resources that we don't know about, please feel free to reach out to us because I'm pretty sure people are going to reach out to us um, at momentsforever.us at gmail.com. Um, Ms. Doris gave her information. I'll make sure that she give it to you guys again. Uh, we appreciate everyone that's been listening. Uh, we're going to make sure that everybody get each and every guest um, information as well on the um, that's on the show today. So we're going to start with Tanisha giving her information, and then we're going to end it with Miss um, um, B <laughs> um, giving my information. So it's going to go Tanisha, Miss Doris, then me, and then we're going to go and get out of here. Uh, we we've been in your living rooms long enough. Mm-hmm. It's been an hour, but this has been a touchy subject. And and please tell us what subject should we talk about next on What's Popping Podcast. This podcast was designed to make sure that we talk to our community, our people that live next door to us, our people that's scared to talk about subjects that they don't want to talk about. So we want to bring it here for it could be real and, and we can talk about it. So go ahead, Tanisha. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, my name is Tanisha, and I want to thank uh, Ms. Doris and Derek for allowing me to have this conversation with you guys. Um, my inbox is a safe place if anyone needs me. Thank you. <laughs> and we're going to go ahead with Ms. Doris telling her information as well. Uh, my name is Doris. You can find me on Facebook called Hashtag Silent No More, The Fight Against Domestic Violence. And I also want to let you know that I do got a book coming out about domestic violence. My story, it called Behind Closed Doors. Oh, that sounds nice. Yeah. And I do a lot of videoing and stuff, so maybe we can get together and um, do some skits. And oh, you see all the cameras great. we got here. That'd be great. Maybe do a skit or, um, you know, the Lifetime movie type of um, deal. Um <laughs> so we started jumping in this chair because I just put that out there that I wanted my book become a movie. So so maybe we can you know start off it little and then maybe somebody pick it up maybe not. But the pro- the the thing that will happen somebody will be inspired by your story. Yes, and we all that's, know that. So we're willing to help here at Moments Favor um, Photography and Moments Favor um, Films at One Thirty One Collector Studio. You can reach me at momentsforever.us at gmail.com reach me here on facebook as at Derek freeman you can also reach me on facebook at what's popping podcast 131 collector studio page just reach out to me uh, it should be all tagged into um the show at the end um, if you listen to this live on i um apple i um, podcast or google podcast you can reach us um by what's popping podcast We'd like to thank everybody for tuning in. Make sure you share this. Even though you watch this, somebody else might want to watch this later. So we're going to go ahead and end it with our theme song and, and end it with our ending stream. Thank you guys for watching. Again, please share.
What's poppin'? 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 Every episode we poppin'. Every episode we talkin'. Every episode we poppin'. Every episode we talkin'. What's poppin'? What's poppin'? What's poppin'? We poppin'. What's poppin'? What's poppin'? What's poppin'? We poppin'. Share that. Share that. Share that. Share that. We popping. We popping. So keep watching. Tune in Wednesday, 7 p.m. every week here on What's Popping Podcast. We can fight back. If you or someone you know is a victim of domestic violence, call the National Domestic Violence at 1-800-799-7233 or reach out via the website at https www.thehotline.org.